0: Hello and welcome to the flex. This is Joe Howie joined today by Jack Riccio instead of Matt St. Jean, who has a prior commitment watching the Michigan football game. Jack, how are you?
1: And happy to be back. Um, I think the last time I joined this was after the Creighton game in January 2021. After a heartbreaker. So um, much more positive vibes this time for this guest spot. Uh, So just thrilled to be here.
0: Thank you for joining us today. And for those who are unfamiliar with Jack, he's a former WDOM broadcaster alongside Matt and myself. And a little fun fact is Jack and I were actually teammates on the rugby pitch at Providence College. We both played uh, for the rugby team. So Jack and I go back way back. Right, buddy? Oh, yeah.
1: Go black. Go black back.
0: (laughs) But. Jack joins us today on the heels of an 85-71 Providence victory over a a pesky St. Peter's team. they played with Providence for 75% of the game. Jack, I know you have a couple of fun facts on St. Peter's, so I'll (laughs) I'll let you you string those up. I did. I
1: promised Matt that I would, in his absence, I would, you know, do some filler and have a little fact sheet. Um, Yeah, let's do that. So St. Peter's, as you know, I figured it would be helpful for everybody to, to get a little bit of a you know just to build a little bit of knowledge base for our opponent today uh and so just some fun facts is number one st peter's actually closed in during world war one due to low enrollment if you could believe that um and then they reopened in 1930 so uh, a real success story and there's actually the reason for their mascot which is a peacock which i believe is the only peacock in d1 um, it's a reference to the closing opening of the school in the earliest 20th century. So I know that's really enthralling for everybody to know. Um, <laughs> it's one of 34 C grant schools. If you don't know what that is, that's probably fine. Um, Kiki Clark p- played there. and need a few, uh, college basketball buffs. Uh, he led the nation in 2004 and 2005, um, and points scored per game and amassed 3,058 points in his career. Um and he became the sixth leading scorer of all time in NCAA history. And another notable alumni was Ken Jennings. Not the trivia Ken Jennings, but actually the American stage actor who you may know him from uh one of his famous shows, uh including you in Town, in two thousand one. So those are my fun facts. Um sure very relevant and everybody was definitely <laughs> tuning in to listen to those. Um anyway, so to the game, now that we have our, our background at the stage very important rivalry um providence versus the uh metro atlantic athletic conference uh so they've already played sacred heart and fairfield and now they kind of complete the queen the clean sweep uh with a victory over saint peter's offense was completely on today i thought um and a good bounce back after a very disappointing performance against virginia uh tough virginia defense uh Really frustrated the Friars, um, you know, jump shooting and, you know, I think they I think they may have had only only one three pointer made in that game, if, that, if I'm not mistaken. Um, if I remember correctly, out of like, you know, it was it was not a, a hot shooting night. So going into this one, I think we wanted to see some bounce back, and the offense was electric the whole the whole game. I mean, Horkler getting hot early on. Um, I think he had 16 first half points. Yep, and uh, and then he sort of followed up by Nate Watson in the second half to to close it out, um, but was you know what was a big improvement we saw on the offensive side. Um, they didn't quite measure up defensively for the majority of this game, uh, you know, allowing St. Peter's, who averages twenty turnovers a game, um, to stay in it primarily because their offense was so efficient and they were taking care of the ball so well. Uh, For a long time, they only had five turnovers and they were pretty much able to keep up with the Friars, um, getting a lot more opportunities. I mean, the St. Peter's took 20 more shots than the Friars did in this game Um, and and able to capitalize in transition, able to get dribble penetration very easily against these defenders. And um, they got a lot of open looks from three. And while they didn't convert the majority of them, um, they hit some big threes to keep themselves in the game, keep it competitive for a lot longer than it should have. Um, of course, foul trouble in the end really did them in. and, you know, anytime a team like this comes in and competes with the Friars this way in the dunk, you have to do it for 40 minutes. And for those last eight or nine minutes, they just didn't have it. They sort of ran out of gas. So hence the score, but it was a lot closer than it looked on paper. And I think we can talk about some of those points and takeaways, um, the good and bad uh, with, with respect to their performance today on, with the Friars. So those are my those yeah. are my thoughts. Yeah, I definitely agree, Jack. I, I think the point you made
0: on Providence being three and zero against the MAC with two A's, not to be confused with the MAC with one A conference this season, and, and you know this game followed the same script that it did with Sacred Heart and with Fairfield, where. You know, these mid-major programs hang around for most of the first half, make it some way into the second half before Providence pulls away. Obviously, Fairfield was a little bit different. Providence only edged them by seven, but Sacred Heart, Providence beat them by double figures. St. Peter's now, Providence beat them by double figures. The offense was on today. Horkler and Watson were the dynamic duo, Batman and Robin. Former roommates, I I mean, the two of them were, were fantastic to watch. I think... Horkler, his ability to rebound and sp- specifically find Nate on entry passes is fantastic. The chemistry between them is great, and, and I really appreciated that in the first half when Nate was down, Horkler picked up the slack and then vice versa. In the second half, Horkler, he wasn't necessarily down, but you know the plays were drawn up for Watson and Horkler was still finding a way to, to make an impact, so the dynamic between the two of them was fun to watch. I think defensively there were quite honestly, plenty of miscues that we can point out, you know, switching on the pick and roll, switching on ball screens, dribble drive penetration, picking up your man on the perimeter. I mean, they were not great defensively. You gave up 71 points on your home floor to a mid-major program in St. Peter's that entered the game two and one. That's not great. It's not a great look following a loss to Virginia, but it is what it is. A win is a win. And you walk away from this one with a six and one record going into what
1: is probably going to be the toughest week of this non-conference schedule. Absolutely. Yeah. With Texas tech coming up on Wednesday and then, um, Rhode Island, uh, next Saturday at the dunk. But even though they have, you know, even with home court advantage, it's never going to be a game that's, you know, far beyond two or three possessions apart. So, um, and this is a gauntlet, too. This is really where it starts. They don't have another team like St. Peter's on their schedule going forward, so this is a time to figure it all out. Um, you know, the, the month of November was good for experimentation, uh, messing around with the with the rotations a little bit to see who plays well on the floor together. Um, it's clear this team has a lot of chemistry, and they're a lot more fluid, I'd say, than we're used to at this point in the year for a Friars team. Um, you know, a lar- large largely credit to... I'd say Jaron Bynum and Al Durham, um, as far as, you know, being facilitators and able to get penetration. Um, and Alan Breed has stepped up in a big way in his second year of eligibility, uh, you know, at least in the offensive side. But those defensive weaknesses you called out, we're starting to see some trends now. Um, as I had mentioned sort of a little bit about, you know, lack of ability to force turnovers. Um, when you're going up against a team that, that struggles to take care of the ball, against much, you know, far lesser opponents um, and you're only able to force five turnovers in the majority of the game, that's a problem. Um, you're not going to win Big East games if you can't play defense and, and force errors, you know. Um, I'll, to, to St. Peter's credit, they didn't commit a lot of unforced errors in this game, but the problem with the, Providence has been one of the, the worst in D1 at forcing teams to commit turnovers, and that's going to be an issue they need to address uh, going, going down the line.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, St. Peter's only had nine turnovers today in comparison to the Friars, who had 15. So, I mean, if anything, St. Peter's came in and forced most of the turnovers today. This was a a scrappy St. Peter's team with with Banks. How do you say his first name? Daryl?
1: Is that Darrell Banks? Yeah,
0: yep. With the team leader, tw- uh, excuse me, the game leader, 26 points, 9 of 16 shooting. Uh, I mean, no one was really stopping him on dribble drive penetration. He was kind of getting to the cup with ease, even yep. with Horkler and Watson playing as well as they did in the paint. He, he really, there was no answer for him. I'm going to credit that to the fact that our best defender was ill today in Justin Minaya. Um, realistically, in a, a situation like that where you have one guard really torching us, I think it would have been beneficial to put uh, the small forward, power forward, stretch player in Manaya on him. Instead, you had Reeves, who has struggled defensively as of late, and, and Durham juggling him. But the loss of Manaya was definitely felt on the defensive end today. And, and Bryson Goodine, too. There wasn't a yeah. whole-, whole ton on why those two guys were out, just that they were ill with non-COVID-related sickness. Um, Reeves had a bug last week, so something must be passing through the locker room, but we hope that those two guys are back in time for Wednesday's game against Texas Tech, because we're really going to need Mania defensively, and we're going to need good Iron off the bench.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, th- I think those two losses were glaring today, especially once Jared Bynum went down early in the first half, um, and then you're really stretching the backcourt because um, it's down to who can play the point position is Alan Breed and Drew Fonts. I mean, Durham and Reeves kind of picked up the slack, but they're not true um, point guards. So you know, you're you're it's a tall it's a tall task for for Breed and Fonts to go out there in Bynum's absence, um, unexpected absence, and um, keep the offense flowing. And then we saw a couple of valuable minutes from uh, Mateus Case, the freshman. Um, yeah. And he he made a really nice up and under move in the first half to kind of. Get, get the Friars over the hump um, and give him a lead before halftime. So I, I wish we saw more of him in this game. But for what, you know, the, the, the few minutes he did play, he made a really nice um, up and under move. You only you only had two minutes in this game. But um, talk about yeah, talk awesome, about confidence awesome. for the young guy. Yeah. I mean, that that was great. He goes in
0: and the first play he makes, it's jump stop up and under and nice little bucket for him. I mean, literally the first play drawn up was for him. And I think as a freshman, that sh- that shows some major onions to come off the bench in a tight first half game with everyone being ill or injured. And, you know, the walk on got in before you just all the context going into his substitution to make that nice play. And you saw the smile on Ed
1: Cooley's face afterwards, like like, damn, like this kid can play. It was gorgeous. Yeah. And it was a great move. And I, I hope we see more out of him as, you know, as we go on in the season. I mean, it's tough to get a spot in this rotation as a freshman. That's, you know, tradition for the Friars. Um, you got to earn it. But honestly, from that little flash we saw, you know, hopefully that's um, indicative of the future uh, for this young man. Uh, I will say as well, like, you know, very impressed with, you know, this whole, I'm just kind of zooming out here and, Talking about how the Friars been playing overall in these first uh, seven games, just very impressed with how easily they're able to move the ball, how well they're communicating on offense, how well well they execute, especially in the first 35 minutes of each game. Seems like they kind of trail off at the end once the defense is tightened up and um, and press a little more. They're a little they have a harder time responding and closing out. But again, that sort of comes over time. Uh, As the season progresses. So I'm not too concerned about that. I think overall their offense is far exceeding expectations and um, just shooting 64% today. I mean, look, St. Peter's does not have an all time defense. That is for sure. And they're not even close to the level of Virginia. But um, to shoot 64% against anybody in D1 is impressive. Uh, And, you know, I and and not only that, convert at the free throw line 29 for 31 in this game. This was a, a bit of a concern in the first two or three games for the Friars. Nate Watson came out of the season, I think 31% uh, and he was seven for seven today. Al Durham was nine for nine again. He was perfect again. I mean, he is going to be your guy at the end of those games, uh, which is kind of what they missed last year when they lost Pipkins. They didn't have that 90% free throw shooter anymore. Durham kind of steps up into that role and can close for them. And he's shown with his consistency from the stripe, you know, that's not going to be as much of an issue at the end. So, Honestly, like pretty much all thumbs up across the board for the offense. I mean, I would like to see a little more aggression um, and then getting after that re- and those rebounds because there are a lot of openings. Um, you know, when you get those big men operating in the paint, when you have Watson or uh, Croswell backing down, you know, you should have people that, you know, they should be attacking the board, attacking the board. You know, maybe you see a little more aggression on that side, but overall, not a lot to complain about. Um, a little bit sloppy at times in this game, too. But again, they we call this a trap game. We kind of expected that. Um, just defensively. Yeah, go ahead, Joe.
0: See, I was going to say, coming out of the Thanksgiving week, the Romans Legends Classic Tournament, I I thought this game was going to go one of two ways. I thought it was going to be a get-right game after that loss to Virginia. But realistically, you know, you take the 14-point win any day of the week. This was a trap game in every sense of the word. You know, you have a big tournament against powerful opponents, Northwestern, Virginia, you know, maybe not so much Georgia. But and then the following week, you have Texas Tech and URI. This game is nestled right in the middle. It definitely is a trap game. And I think we fell into the trap, especially in the first half. And, Jack, just to go back to your point on the team's offense, I think this team plays with a cohesion that we haven't seen since that LaJuan Pipkin's Alpha Diallo-led senior team. Um, I think Durham, Watson, and Horkler have a great bond, specifically Horkler and Watson, um, you know, the two big men down low. But I wanted to to gather your opinion on this. We know who the top guy is. We know it's Watson. We know who the two and the three are, you know, Durham, Horkler. Those are your top three when it comes to scoring. Who's going to be that fourth guy? Because I think a lot of people had A.J. Reeves slotted as the number two guy. And he's had a rather underwhelming season. Obviously, he was under the weather, according to Ed Cooley, last week when they played in Newark, New Jersey. But I'd say if you look at the first seven games of the season, Reeves really hasn't done anything to write home about. And I wanted to gather your thoughts on this. Yeah,
1: I I mean, I wouldn't be so hard on him. Um, I've actually been okay with what I've seen out of Reeves. Um, I, I think it's a lack of opportunity, right? I mean, it's it, it, he's. I, I think he's in the he's in the starting rotation, but he does get subbed out a lot more than his contemporaries. I think he only plays about 22 minutes a game, and you know Watson racking up over 30. Same with Durham, um, playing nearly entire the entire game. So there's just more opportunity to score in volume. But when Reeves gets a jump shot, I mean, some of that, you know, some of his issues cognitively with the decision making are still there or he does force a three pointer because that's sort of how he's, he's trained. That's how he's supposed to play. It's just, you know, anytime you have a look at the basket, put it up, um, you know, be, you know, be that jump shooter and, and then, you know, rely on your bigs to make a play down low, you know, if the rebound's long or something. But um, I, I think he plays, um, you know, I think he, he plays the role he's supposed to on offense. Is he dazzling? No, but I think he's performing, you know, at expectation and, um, like you said, there's been an illness, but in this game, he was three for six and, you know, he's showing some of his abilities to score from the mid range and he was four for four from the stripe. I mean, he's still gotten double digits this game. Um, I think, you know, the only criticism I have of Reeves in fact would be his, his defense, I think, but this was, this is sort of across the board for the entire backcourt was, you know, way too easy and giving up dribble penetration, um, you know, and they need that guy. They need someone with a little bit more size who can, um, who can stop the ball at the point or, um, you know, just, just, yeah, like just kind of get in front of the ball handler uh, to, to, to avoid the, you know, them getting into the lane and finding an outside pass for three. Cause I mean the big, the, the best way to get an open three pointer in this league is to get penetration. So um, that is concerning, but that was across the board. I mean, Durham got beat a few times. Uh, Fonts had some really bad defensive possessions, but again, like in fact, <laughs> Um, Good guy. Good kid. We love your here, um, but you know, you have to be honest. Uh, Breed (laughs) did not look great. Breed was slow, kind of delayed on a couple of those. And that's how St. Peter's able to stay in this game, which is beating him on the first step and getting that penetration. Um, So defensively, I would say I'd have a lot, how much harsher criticisms for Reeves, but it sort of aligns with how I feel about this entire backcourt right now. Um, And uh, I don't know if you wanted to jump on any of those points. I did have one more. Um, sort of criticism on the on the defensive side, but I can hold it. No, I'll let you close <laughs> out. Go ahead. Yeah. And, um, you know, on the topic of bad defense, I think we need to address Noah Horkler's performance. Um, sometimes some really head scratching decisions, uh, you know, when he's supposed to switch. I mean, I understand they're running a zone, but I think this team, in terms of accountability, um, there are some real confusions and question marks, and they kind of. It causes them to they freeze up at times. And horkler's the worst of them. He does get caught, um, you know, off ball. He does get caught looking at other action when he's supposed to be defending off ball and he gets beat on a cut or something um, or he fails to close out. I think I caught one point in this game, the second half, where he just fell down um, where he's supposed to be closing out on a baseline three. Uh, luckily it missed, but he, he didn't even, you know, he moved, you know, maybe a step and he just fell down. Um, you know, he doesn't look confident with, his assignment on defense. And I'm not an expert, you know, I, I, by any means, but um, there were a few times where he was around the ball, could have made a play, could have contested, at least, could have at least been, you know, hustled to, to fill in a gap and didn't. Um, and that was a problem a lot of the time. So, you know, I, 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 I will, I'll have to go back through the film, but it felt like, at least from the first watch, You know, he would go down, make a play, score. You get those 16 points in the first half, but he may have been responsible for allowing 12 or 14 of the points on the the defensive side, you know, and that's not acceptable. You have to, you have to play both ways. Um, And and it's a lot of that's, you know, some of that's ability, but a lot of that is effort, you know, any defense. Um, So it is a little bit, you know, I'll broaden the criticism to the whole team, but Horkler, I've had some real concerns on his ability to, to, to guard man, and it's kind of the reason why they have been reverting to the zone a lot, I think. It's just their inability to um, defend their man off ball or stay with them. Uh, they tend to get beat quite a bit. So, so, I appreciate that take and it's definitely an interesting
0: one. I hadn't really taken too much of a notice of Horkler's defensive inefficiencies. I, I think the for but I think you hit the nail on the head with the the big to low transition specifically between our forwards and our guards. You see a lot of it with Ed Croswell too, um, Reeves. I, I think there's a communication issue specifically with switching on ball screens, switching men, uh, just in general. So I appreciate the Horkler insight because I definitely hadn't taken notice of that, and I'm going to look at that going forward. Um, but I think Reeves defensively too ha- has definitely been an issue today. He was getting beat off the dribble basically nine times out of ten, especially when he was on Banks the third. So defensively, yeah. I-, I think Manaya's loss was severely felt today. Yeah, he's absolutely. someone who. Yeah. He's someone who doesn't necessarily make up for anything on offense, but defensively keeps his feet well, is a bigger guy that can guard smaller or uh, can guard bigger based on how we're playing and who's in around him. But I think Minaya is definitely one of our more sound defensive pieces. Um, I'd say Reeves, Horkler, you know, Croswell, even Bynum and Breed sometimes defensively aren't the best. I think Durham's hit or miss, and Watson, you know, defensively, I think he's improved a ton. I think he's gotten better yeah, with yeah. moving his feet well, and keeping he puts his in body an
1: weight. He puts in the yes. effort, and I think that's, that's what I'm trying to make. You know, that's the point I'm trying to make. Yes, there is an argument towards conserving energy if you're the team's leading scorer uh, on defense, but uh, a lot of times Horkler takes himself out of the play, and um, yep. I think a big problem is so you look at some of this, these stat sheets. I mean, Drame, they're, they're, I think he was their power forward, maybe even their center, their five, um, you know, finishing him with 13 points and nine rebounds, not a big guy. Uh, you know, Horkler who, I don't know. I don't think he, they, you, they know there's really a consistent matchup, but Horkler had no fouls committed in this game. Somebody is, you know, putting up 10, 10 shots, um, you know, majority of them being inside the, inside the three point line. Um, and you don't get it, you know, you don't get one foul against them. I mean, are you even contesting the shots? Like what's going on there? I mean, that's a problem too. Um, if they're getting in that, those buckets that easily where they're not even calling a foul, <laughs> you know, um, uh, we yeah. saw that a lot. We saw how many runners, uh, you know, um, leaners and, and, just straight up just layups where, you know, they got beat a couple and one opportunities. Um, and, uh, you know, just too many open looks, close to the basket. And I think that's something they really need to address. And that's going to be, you know, some of that's penetration, but a, a lot of that's just effort and cleaning up, the, cleaning up the mess. If somebody does get beat on the perimeter, then who's there to clean it up? And right now it's, you know, the answer is Watson, if he can, but he can't play two positions. That's where Horkler has to really improve. Um, so great game for him. Obviously the leading score in this one for, for the Friars, not for the whole game. Actually banks at one more point than he did, but um, good stuff. His third double double of the season, not criticizing him as a player, but he's got but to be. Um, a leader on this team to really make a a significant impact and contribute to to, um, consistent play and wins, he's got to pick up the defensive side of the game. And a lot of that's uh, mental and a lot of that's effort. So Ed Cooley's really got to coach that out of him, I think. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you don't want to be too hard on Horkler. He,
0: this is, he did not just third double-double of the season. He was the, the team leader with 25, 11 boards, followed closely behind by Watson. The two of them were hot from the field. Horkler, 9 from 10. Watson, 8 for 12. But defensively, Jack, I think you bring up a great point. St. Peter's outscored us 36-34 in the paint. So I think when you have the two bigs like Watson and Horkler who are having the these shutdown offensive performances, I, I think defensively you're scratching your head like why why is a team like St. Peters who isn't bigger than us who isn't necessarily tougher or more physical than us why right. are they outscoring us in the paint? And I think your point about Horkler you know playing lazy on defense is definitely well taken. I think the dribble drive penetration you know guards getting easy looks at the cup is another thing. I, I think there are, are definitely defensive miscues across the boards here that need to be taken into consideration going forward. Yeah. Because you have a tough week ahead. After that, you have two more home games against uh, Vermont and I think it's Central Connecticut, and then you go right into the thick of it in stores Connecticut with UConn. So definitely, time is still on our side, but you know these non-conference games are slowly slipping away. You're happy with the six and one record. You're happy with an eighty five seventy one win but you got to lock it down defensively, especially yep, you as you're closing out. You're, you're yeah.
1: right. And then just to make a, just a last point on that. Um, let's see. 10 offensive rebounds in this game for St. Peter's um, out of 358 teams in division one. They are in, in just in overall height. They're average height. Um, they are number three to 23. This is not a tall team. This is not a team with a lot of size and strength. This is very scrappy, um, you know, quick, small ball lineup, Uh, you know, so you really should not be losing on the offensive board. They shouldn't be, they shouldn't be doubling your offensive rebound total um, and they shouldn't be getting easy baskets inside really ever. Um, And so that's something they've looked themselves in the mirror and really figure that out. uh, That part of their, that dimension of their game or else they could get exposed. And I think that's going to be something we need to watch in the weeks ahead um, is how they improve that. um, How they, how they, you know, we can hold our starters a little bit more accountable for their man, um, and even if a player has like 12 points, you know, disciplining somebody for having a bad defensive possession, because that's going to matter, you know, at the end of the day, you can have all this scoring, you can do all this, you know, do all this great, great work on offense and then have it all go to shit. Um, excuse my language, but <laughs> then it, it all goes down the toilet. If you don't, you know, if you don't go back and play a, a good defensive possession, um, I think a lot of the time we are we were sort of lacking that here. So that's what we need. That's a big talking point, not just from this game, but I think, overall um you know you know i think in in these first seven games is that they really there's a lot they can do to improve um and and be and if they can improve i mean look they already have two q1 wins as of now um if they can't improve they could they could finish top four in the Big East very easily uh and and be a real contender because again this you know in terms of scoring talent i think they are one of the best in the big east I agree. Um, And, you know, at the end of the day, we we
0: can nitpick the X's and O's of the defense. We did win by 14. So this shouldn't be um, as as mellow as it is. This is uh, a good this was a good game by Providence. You take the win. You notch it under your belt. Six and one going into a a tough opponent in Texas Tech on Wednesday night. Um, Any closing thoughts, Jack, before uh, we head out?
1: Yeah, I mean, again, this is this is the gauntlet starts now. Um, you have a couple more games left like this. You have actually you have a tough Vermont team. So looking at past Tech, like, Second Rhode Island, um, just for the month of December, yeah, you have a game against Vermont, who's you know definitely not a cakewalk. Central Connecticut, that's sort of you know they might figure stuff out in that game. You know, depending on how the stretch of four games goes, um, and then it's Big East play. So again, the time is now to to make the tweaks, make the adjustments, and. Um, and, and just for a gut check to see where you are mentally and, you know, can you keep up this performance offensively while improving yourselves um, and holding each other accountable on defense? And that's what I'm going to say is a big theme uh, I, just going forward, just how this team holds each other accountable, um, the internal leadership, and how Ed Cooley holds his players accountable on defense. Um, and that's going to be a really important uh, theme to watch. But yes, I mean, it's a really important stretch. So, um, the next three games, second, Tech, Rhode Island and Vermont, if you can get out of here two and one, that's the target. Um, three, and know, obviously is the ideal, but you, you know, yep. set your expectations accordingly. So um, not easy games. And, and again, just a real gut check for the Friars uh, to see what they're made of because they're just, you know, these tests are only going to get harder as they go as they go on
0: absolutely you want to lock down defensively going forward keep up the offensive momentum and you know especially you want to keep feeding Nate Watson in the paint Jack Riccio thank you for joining us today on the flex for everyone listening please look out for our pregame show where Matt St. Jean will rejoin the flex obviously he's a little occupied with college football today Um, but yeah thank you for listening and as always go Friars
1: and go Friars and go, go go blue I think last I checked Michigan was up so If they lose this game, I apologize for jinxing it. Go Irish. Go Flyers. (laughs) Good night. All right. Thanks, Joe. Bye, everyone.